Our next guest has become a household name as we navigate through a worldwide pandemic. After beginning his career with the Ministry of Health during the HIV-AIDS epidemic, he rose to the rank of Professor of Public Health at the University of Otago in Wellington. In 2013, he was awarded the Health Research Centre Lilly Medal for his contribution to the health and medical sciences, currently part of the COVID-19 Technical Advisory Group, and has been from the start one of the most vocal voices advocating for our elimination strategy of COVID. It's a great pleasure to welcome epidemiologist Professor Michael Baker onto the show for Six and a Song. Hello there. Professor? Hello there. Kia ora, Simon and Phil. Great Re- to be with you. Really nice to talk to you. So we're going to sort of um, take off, I was going to say take off your clothes, that sounds rather wrong. We're going to get, get to know you a bit better, Michael, than what we see on the television and stuff. Because you've been incredibly generous and kind with, with talking with us and, and giving great information to people during this whole pandemic. But this is actually about you as a person. And one of the things I'm always fascinated by with people who succeed in their careers when they're, when they're adults is... When you were a kid, were you always kind of fascinated by science and stuff? Where did you go to school, and, and, and how did this interest grow? Well, I started schooling in Auckland, and then um, my parents relocated to a farm outside Hamilton. So I went to Horatu Primary School for a few years, yeah, and then later on um, shifted into town to go to high school, and then moved back to Auckland for university. Right. Am I right in saying, so this is kind of fact or fiction, are you one of identical twins? That's right, yes. I'm a, a monozygotic twin, and my twin brothers are GP in Sydney. Oh, fancy that. What a talented family. I mean, oh, Lucky's in Sydney, I was just thinking, with the flack you took over the masks and getting he'd be he wouldn't want to go out sometimes. <laughs> That's right. Well, he is, his patients are saying, oh, I think we saw you on TV saying something <laughs> rather odd, so... He is copying it. <laughs> I bet he is. Good. So do I take it, Michael, then, that, that um, given that your brother's a GP in, in, in Australia, in Sydney, is, is, is your whole family involved in the medical world or not? No, not at all. Um, uh, my, my younger brother is actually a Presbyterian minister and my younger sister is a teacher. Oh, OK. Fancy that. What an interesting family. Michael, is it right... In saying, too, again, fact or fiction, were you instrumental in the um, basically the swapping the needle campaign during the HIV uh, epidemic? Yeah, um, well, that's what actually got me really interested in public health because before that I was doing clinical medicine and I thought I'd have a sabbatical. I was living in Auckland. I'd have a sabbatical working in Parliament as an advisor for one of the ministers of health. And uh, he gave me the job of, of trying to work out how to reduce HIV transmission and injecting drug users. So I, I went off and talked to a lot of people and there was amazing support for harm reduction. And after that, I was just convinced about what can be achieved with a reforming government, you know, moving away from the war on drugs to actually trying to prevent transmission of, of, of HIV. And it really worked. Mm, it yeah, did work. Very much so. Look, in your formative years, when you were in Auckland, I presume it's when you were a student, is it an urban myth or not, or did you live in a large house in Auckland where a lot of the era's punk movement were there that has been described as a little bit like an episode of The Young Ones, the TV show? Yes, no, that was a, a formative experience. Um, in 1980, I moved into what is probably the largest flat in New Zealand. It's a big old, uh, an old boarding school in Parnell. Yeah. It has 20 bedrooms. And in that era, it always had at least 30 people living in it. Yeah. And... Um, I moved into the attic, and there were amazing people there, like Bruno Lawrence would practice there, and the crocodiles in the in the ballroom, wow. and um, there was always a lot going on. It was very diverse, very educational. 
It would have been. I, I knew Bruno. That would have been extremely <laughs> yeah. educational. Yeah. Now, Michael, please don't take this the wrong way because I say it as a compliment But because you want people in your position to be very serious. But you strike me as quite an intense, serious person. How do you relax and unwind? Do you ever let your hair down and do you go a bit nuts? Um, I'd like to go nuts a bit more often. But um, <laughs> actually, the the thing I, I do is um, I do a lot of cycling. And because um, um, I live up the top of a hill, every day I sort of have to cycle up Bidwell Street, which people in Wellington know is quite a steep climb. And it's very hard to think about anything when you're cycling up that street. Um, so that's one of the things that I do to, to unwind um, at the end of the day anyway. Mm, yeah, good. very good. Now, we understand you originally planned basically to specialise in something like emergency medicine. What was it that drew you towards epidemiology? Well, I really loved clinical medicine, and uh, but it was just having that spell working in Wellington um, and seeing what you can do if you actually look at um, prevention. So you start to shift away from focusing on individual patients to thinking about why people get sick and can you actually re-engineer society to make it safer for people and more health promoting. So that was a real eye-opener for me. Um, And I think looking at particularly a simple thing like needle exchange meant that we could keep a whole disease out of this population. Mm. So that's what really changed my direction. And then I did five years of specialist training in public health medicine after that. Um, And that took me into, into the world of epidemiology. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because pre-COVID, most of us hadn't really used that term. Now it's no. become like it's just so much part of the lexicon, isn't it? You know, the epidemiology. Uh, like for yourself, I guess you weren't particularly well known. For most of us, again, I'm talking about the average man or woman in the street. Now you are. Your face is, is exceptionally well known. What's the worst thing been for you to suddenly find this newfound fame? Well, actually... Um I'm probably working too hard. I actually don't get out a huge amount at the moment. So I am surprised if people I've never met before say, oh, you're the guy on TV telling us about COVID. It is a a completely new experience. Have you been asked for selfies or autographs? Oh, yes, I actually have had a few selfies, and (laughs) that is also quite surreal. (laughs) Yes, I imagine it would be. Now, you mentioned how hard you're working, Michael, and that's the impression that, that, again, Simon and I, like, you know, the average man and woman in the street, we sort of see you doing these things, speaking up, and we know that you've got a, a full-time job as well as, as the PR stuff that you have to do on behalf of health. Um, how much time do you actually get off a week, or do you basically, are you on, since COVID-19 came along, have you been on a seven-day-a-week situation? Uh, I think at times it has been seven days a week, but actually I, I do do a lot of things with my family, and they're very good at dragging me out um, of my office. So that's, that's helpful. My, my wife works in the arts, and so she's always taking me to really interesting events. So that's a huge help. Good. Um, yeah, so, I'm looking forward to a, lot, a holiday at Christmas. I'll bet you are. Now, some will, um, of course, cons- uh, suggest I'm being a conspiracy theorist here, but uh, what would you? we've had a very interesting chat earlier on today, Michael, about the COVID-19 and the, the tracking app, etc. For people listening to this now, what would you say is the greatest difference between COVID-19 and the flu? The greatest difference is that it's 15 to 20 times more dangerous that's COVID-19 compared with seasonal flu. Um, In what way? In terms of your risk of dying if you get infected, and that's an average across the population. And we're still trying to work out, you know, the long COVID, you know, the chronic effects of infection. 
and um, we don't really know how common they are or how long-lasting they are, but it does look like people who have even mild infection with COVID-19 are more likely to have these quite unpleasant long-term effects. Right. Right. And last thing from me before we take a short break, um, and this is totally out of left field, it's from inside the radio industry, and somebody popped up this morning and said, um, I, I presume it was back in, the, in that 20-bedroom twenty, room, uh, 20 flat in Parnell, did you used to flat with Martin Devlin's brother? Oh, possibly. I mean, there were a lot of people who went through that house when I was there. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. We're really loving good. talking with you. I mean, it is fascinating. And, and I, I, yeah, well, we could talk a lot more, and we will in just a moment. We're going to do some rapid-fire questions with you, Michael. Thank you so much again for your time. Our guest is Professor Michael Baker, epidemiologist. Incidentally, uh, Michael, when you are a professor such as yourself, do you prefer to be addressed as professor or just Michael, or does it matter who's addressing you? I prefer Michael. Oh, good. Fine. Okay, oh, good. Yeah. That saves us from the embarrassment because we started calling him professor <laughs> yeah. and then we, we lapsed into Michael. Yes, so forgive I'm, me, I'm Michael. That's best. Forgive me, Michael. I was thinking if I had done all the work that you've done and became a professor, I would want everybody to call me professor. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe different strokes. You're obviously right more on. humble than me. Hey, just by the way, you mentioned your wife there. Are you a romantic guy, Michael? Uh, um, on a good day, yes, I try to. I know that um, you have to. Bring it. You have to. You have to think about romance occasionally. It's very really important, obviously. Right. And do you mind me asking, or us asking, how you proposed to your wife? Um, it was a, a funny um, sequence of events, but I actually did it um, with a text message. Um, it was um, just the way it it happened. But right. It was actually a, a bit of an in joke with us. Oh, good. Oh, that oh, sounds great. Okay. Yes. Well, thank you. We'll move on from the woman's weekly questions to, uh, <laughs> to the few quick fire questions, a bit more straightforward. So. Oh, these are a lot more intense than women's weekly questions, oh, Michael. Oh, they're very intense. These ones. Don't worry about that. Now, the first question, please, Michael. What is your most extravagant purchase? I buy a bit of New Zealand art, and I'm really loving this uh, Martin Popplewell painting that I've just got recently. Outstanding. What would you consider to be your most prized possession? Well, I think just owning a house is a prized position for all of us, and I know it's getting harder for people. Yeah. But um, got a really a, a nice 1960s house, a solid house in Brooklyn. Mm, Beautiful. Nice. Now, you did mention you're looking forward to a bit of a break during the summer that you thoroughly deserve. What is your favourite holiday spot in New Zealand, please? Yeah, well, there's so many choices, but um, actually I do love going to Great Barrier Island, which I think is really magical. But usually um, I do a bit of a circuit up around... Um, Volcanic Plateau in, in Taupo and then Napier and Coromandel. Beautiful. Okay, yep. You strike us as incredibly level-headed and a pretty sort of in-control bloke. Is there anything you're afraid of? Uh, I'm not keen on spiders. Um, <laughs> but actually, a, a grilling by Kim Hill is also um, <laughs> can be quite um, worrying. Yes, I've actually suffered at that fate one time myself, and it's not pleasant, I'll agree with you. <laughs> no, when Simon and I were working on a breakfast show, he was interviewed by Kim Hill for reasons that I that escaped me now, but I do remember he was shaken for about a week afterwards. <laughs> I, was, so I was, It wasn't too good. Now, uh, second to last one, Michael Baker, if you could invite three famous people to dinner, who would they be? Well, I really love history, so I'd I'd pick probably Cicero from the Roman Empire, Robert the Bruce from Scottish Independence, and there's a guy, John Snow, who really invented epidemiology, 
in the 1850s, and he's remarkable. And I'd probably throw in Catherine Mansfield for a bit of gender mix. Oh, good right. on. When really you said Jon Snow, I thought you were talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, that's, that'd be one amazing dinner party. And look, finally, Michael, what is the last book and the last movie uh, that you enjoyed, please? I really like that New Zealand film Savage. And, oh, yeah. Um, yep. I and the, the um, director, Sam Kelly, and I thought it, thought it really captured... Um, just what it's like growing up in New Zealand and how it does really affect people's lives. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Right. Well, we have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you, and we're going to get from you now your song choice, please. Um, yes, this is um, uh, a Mermaiden song, um, I Might Disappear. And I've got, I should declare my interest here. Um, the lead singer, Gusty Larkin, is, is actually my stepdaughter. Oh. And my wife, Katie Chalmers, actually sings on the backing tracks for a couple of the songs. Oh, I see. Wonderful. So we've, we've got some nepotism going on for your song choice, yeah. Michael. And, right. and, and why wouldn't you with such talented family? Thank you so much for your, your time, Michael. All the very best to you. Thank you. Oh, great to talk to you. So this is Michael Baker's choice of song. His stepdaughter, as he said, is a lead singer, and his wife, backing vocals. It's called I Might Disappear.